Happy Monday, everyone, and welcome in to another Black and Blue Report podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson, your host on Mondays. Hope the weekend was a great one for you. We'll talk about the Saints today on this program as they fell to the Arizona Cardinals on Friday night, 20-15 to in preseason game number two. Saw some things that were good, saw some things that were bad. I don't think there was any ugly, but the good news is that it is preseason. It's the time to work out all the kinks and get ready for the regular season. Just think about this now. Only two more Sundays left of no NFL football, and then we get back into it week number one. Of course, Thursday night football is where it all begins with the Philadelphia Eagles and the Atlanta Falcons, but still just two more Sundays. Saints fans, hang in there as we still got two more weeks of preseason football to go as the Saints will travel out west this entire week as they'll do joint practices with the Los Angeles Chargers starting tomorrow throughout the rest of the week leading up to preseason game number three against the Chargers on Saturday night. It's actually a national broadcast, so you can watch it on CBS and, of course, listen locally on WWL. But that's what we're going to focus on on today's show, of course, with NewOrleansSaints.com senior writer John DeShazer. He joins me every Monday throughout the Saints season and especially the preseason right now as we talk about training camp position battles and what he saw on Friday night in the loss to the Cardinals. Again, the final score was 20-15. to Lots of turnovers in that first half. It caused the Saints to had some nice drives, as J.D. will mention here in a little bit, but just none, no putting points on the board besides Will Lutz and then J.T. Barrett with a nice run um, at quarterback for the Saints. So John DeShazer will join me and we'll talk about the game on Friday night. We'll also look ahead to the Chargers as well as they're a team that a lot of people think could make a run in the AFC this season. So this should be a good week for the Saints as far as competition is concerned. And then I wanted to talk about the helmet rule that has been causing a lot of problems this past weekend from not only the players, but just fans from around the league. A lot of backlash on that helmet rule. So I'll have to get JD's thoughts on that as well. So a nice Monday. Settle in, relax. And the Monday edition of the Black and Blue Report is yours right now. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio, wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Daniel Sellerson. And joining us now is Senior Chief John DeShazer, who is about to get ready to head to L.A. for joint practices with the Chargers all week before preseason game number three on Saturday night. J.D., good to talk to you as always, my friend. Always good to be here. All right, J.D., let's get right into it. Thoughts overall on the 20-15 to loss to the Cardinals? Not the game we all thought it would be, maybe after a nice win over Jacksonville in week one. Kind of, I didn't really expect how the, the Saints played on Saturday, or Friday, excuse me, against the Cardinals. Well, I guess if we go, if we harken back to Jacksonville, they weren't crisp early against Jacksonville. True. Uh, I think because the result was a win and they played well in the second half with the reserves, it, it looked a little bit better than probably it was. And, and this one just didn't look good from the beginning. I mean, um, now the number one defense, Got a couple of three and outs. That's always encouraging, uh, getting off the field. Um, but the offense without Drew Brees, with Taysom Hill starting at quarterback, just didn't. Uh, they moved the ball, moved it extremely well, actually. But they turned it over four times in the first half. And you can't beat anybody under any circumstance turning it over that often. Now, Taysom Hill, I don't know if this is defense for him. The two interceptions, uh, one bounced off Cam Meredith's hands he right. should have had. The second one. Didn't look like, and I think it was Ted Ginn Jr., didn't look like Ted 
really gave him a lot of help on yeah. that one. To to and Peyton be, said that too yeah, after yeah, the game. <laughs> to be to be blunt, it, it didn't look like he gave him a lot of help on that. The two lost fumbles, it's just ball security. He didn't secure the ball. Uh, he didn't protect the football, and that's something that you can't have at that position. You can't have four turnovers, even if two of them are your fault, but you certainly can't have the lost fumble. So offensively, I thought there was was something to be gained because they did move the ball, but uh, when you turn it over, those are always eyesores. So with Hill and Savage, we talked about in week one how no one really stuck out as far as the leader of the pack. Did that change any at all from week two? I know Hill had his problems, but – Savage really, in my opinion, didn't really seem to take it over as well. Did you see anything different from this week from both of them? No, neither one of those guys. The only thing that jumped off the page is the four turnovers by by Taysom Hill. I mean, Tom Savage hadn't done anything to wow you. He has been steady. Uh, He has not turned it over. Uh, He's been, you know, efficient when he has thrown it. But nothing has really jumped off the page at you. And so, you know, when you look at it from that standpoint, if we're waiting for somebody to wow us, you know, that has not happened yet. And, you know, I don't know if necessarily it will happen. Um, you know, backup quarterbacks in this league aren't guys who who jump off the page at you all the time. And that's, you know, essentially why they're backups. But um, I, I just don't see as much efficiency in terms of getting the team uh, in scoring position and punching it in the end zone, as I'm sure everybody wants to see as much as I want to see and, and obviously as much as they want to see and the coaching staff wants to see. Are we putting too much emphasis on the battle for a starting quarterback? Um, I know there's a lot of talk about it. Of course, when you have number nine, that's who you're going to rely on during the regular season. Um, but are we putting too much emphasis on this backup quarterback competition? I don't think so because you got to have an effective backup. I mean, if, if Drew Brees happens to go down, now he, you know, knock wood, that has not happened uh, during his Saints career. He's missed one game due to injury, and Luke McCown looked really good in that game against Carolina a couple of years ago. But, you know, you still have to have somebody back there that that might not be Drew Brees, but he better inspire confidence. And so far, I don't know if either Tom Savage or Taysom Hill inspire the kind of confidence that we want to see. Now, do we see those guys all the time, 24-7? No. And we won't see them during the regular season, too. But, you know, so far, neither one of them, again, has kind of jumped off the page. Now, I will say this. Sean Payton has said time and again, these guys are not competing with one another. They're competing, uh, one, against themselves for efficiency, and two, against everybody across the league because there might be a guy on another roster that they might be looking at if they don't feel they're getting the production out of these two guys that they feel like they need to get. I think Sean Kelly made a great point on the television broadcast on Friday about the the Super Bowl winning team. The game was won by a backup quarterback, so I thought that also showed a reason why the backup quarterback could be super important come whether it's down the road. Yeah, but but Nick Foles had has been a previous starter in the NFL, Very true. and uh, in fact, when the Saints won their first ever road game in the playoffs, it was against the Nick Foles. Uh, led Philly team and Nick Foles had a phenomenal year that year uh, had maybe like you know 20 touchdowns and four interceptions or something I think he some, threw like seven in one game yeah some ridiculous ratio where it was just outstanding and got him to the playoffs so Nick Foles has been there before uh, Tom Savage has been a starting quarterback in the NFL but has not had success with the Texans uh, Taysom Hill we know has not even taken an NFL snap in a regular season game has barely taken NFL snaps during preseason games. So one of those guys, you know, if this one, if one of those guys is going to be your number two, then he's going to have to be a little. He's going to not a little bit. He's got to be a lot more efficient than what we've seen so far. 
Let's stick with uh, the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Sean Payton won two pleas with the wide receiver core um, after the game against Arizona, but also I thought a guy that stuck out was the rookie Trey Quan Smith from UCF. What was it about the wide receiving core that really didn't stick out to Sean Payne or maybe to you in your eyes? Well, he didn't like the splits. He didn't like the uh, the way those guys were lining up. Uh, and he uh, specifically mentioned a couple of bad routes run by Ted Ginn Jr. Uh, so those are things that would concern you as a head coach because those things should not be happening now. This mm -hmm. team or these players have been together for a long enough period of time to where they should know the proper splits. They should know where to line up. Uh, they should know the routes. Ted Ginn Jr. has been in this, in this offense for two years now, so he shouldn't be running the wrong routes. So those are things that have to concern you as a coach because that hurts your evaluation of your quarterback, number one. It hurts your evaluation of that. Well, it, it doesn't give a good evaluation of that player because concentration-wise you're thinking, okay, what are you, what are you thinking if you're not you know, lining up in the proper position if you if you don't give me the proper split those are the things you work on every day so you know should know a proper split what are you doing if you if you're not knowing the proper route so you know those are things that have to concern you with the receivers and again you know as he said I think yesterday Sean Payton said yesterday receivers responsibility is to help paint a picture for the quarterback you got to be where you're supposed to be so that guy knows where he can throw it uh the quarterbacks are supposed to throw those footballs in certain windows and if you're not in that window and he and you're the guy he's he's looking at okay well he might not have time to go for, go to another receiver he might not have time to go to his you know second third fourth receiver uh, so you need to be where you're supposed to be to help paint the picture for him and he didn't get that uh, in this last preseason game let's talk about the running backs and then the wide receiver position just for the fact that um, they're both looking for a number two, I guess, for the first four games for running back with Alvin Kamara and then Mark Ingram suspended. And then, of course, you have Michael Thomas at number one. Is there anyone that stuck out that has kind of risen to the occasion? I know Jonathan Williams, again, I thought stuck out in the game against Arizona, but I mentioned Trey Quan Smith. Is he a guy that's on the rise as far as moving up the depth chart a little bit? Well, I don't know if he's number two. Um, I, I would think Ted Ginn Jr. might be number two, and he might not even be number three. It depends on Cam Meredith's help. But here's the thing. I think even as a number four receiver or maybe potentially number two, I think Traquan Smith is going to play a lot of snaps, and I think I would be shocked if he's not the second – maybe third, but maybe even second leading receiver among receivers behind okay. Michael Thomas. I think he's going to catch his share of footballs because, one, uh, he's extremely good at it. <laughs> um, yeah. He might be running – he might not know everything he needs to know right now, but, I mean, he's got really good hands and he seems to get open, and he's done some things that make you believe that Drew Brees will trust him. And so I believe he's a guy who, who has stood out, and I think he's going to continue to stand out. He, he hadn't – you know, sometimes guys will kind of – you know, level off a little bit as a rookie or, you know, I don't want to say hit a wall yet because it's pretty early, but level off a little bit and everybody kind of figure out what they're doing. He doesn't seem to be that guy yet. He seems to, you know, not be maybe still ascending, but he certainly hadn't tailed off any right now. And Jonathan Williams, I think, you know, I, I'd be shocked if Jonathan Williams hadn't earned a roster spot as the, as the number two running back without or, you know, behind Alvin Kamara you know, as the regular season starts. And I, that's not taking anything away from Terrence West or Shane Vereen or Boston Scott, but Jonathan Williams looks like that guy. He looks extremely hungry uh, when he runs a really physical, and Drew Brees pointed out that he's good in blitz pickup and pass protection. Uh, that's essential in this offense, and I don't care how good you are as a running back. You better be able to block 
when this yeah. team is getting ready to throw the ball because this team is going to throw the ball. So you better know how to block and you better know who to block. And Jonathan Williams seems to know that right now. And I think, you know, that as much as running the way he has makes him a viable candidate for number two. Yeah, and that's one way to help protect number nine, that's for sure. Um, the other thing that uh, Sean Payne mentioned before the game on television with what the position battles he was looking at is interior linemen, offensive linemen. Was there anything that stuck out or you noticed? I know it's kind of hard to evaluate that during the game, especially with a different – guys on the field whether it's first team second team but anything stick out to you uh with that group on friday night you know, nothing real nothing's really jumping out i mean you, you you're starting five which is one of the best units in the league um you know andrews pete was out there with them at left guard so that's that's good to get them the chemistry that they need to get um josh lariris i would think is probably running ahead as the um, backup interior lineman will clap might be now let me let me back up cameron tom is probably your backup center <laughs> that's yeah. you know because he was a guy they liked so much last year and I think they still like him uh, Josh Larebus could be your swing guard as well as Will Clapp but I don't think they're going to keep more than eight linemen active and that would lead me to believe that Josh Larebus might be the guy and Will Clapp might be a practice squad uh, kind of candidate and then uh, I would assume Jer- Jermon Bushrod would be your swing tackle uh, among those and now don't, maybe Rick Leonard the rookie is a guy that gets a good look at being the swing tackle. But, you know, they brought Jermon Bushrod here for a reason. You know, let's see if he's got a little bit got a little bit of juice left because he can play both tackle positions. He's done it before, so that would lead me to believe he would be the leading candidate. But if Rick Leonard shows he can handle the job, then, you know, that would be a guy as a draft pick you would certainly want to keep around. So, But, yeah, interior guys, I would think Josh Larebus, uh Cam Tom, and and probably will clap, but will clap might be you know n- not necessarily on the outside looking in in terms of a guy who's going to be on the street, but I think he's a, a guy that's going to be with this organization because he's shown some versatility. He's shown that he can play actually all three of those positions. So you know maybe not if if not this year, then certainly maybe next year he's the guy who sticks on the roster to me. On the defensive side, I think two guys really stuck out to me on Friday night. One was Trey Henderson, that defensive end, and then Mandevero Lawrence. I know he got hurt for a second there, but he's just all around the field. He's been pretty exciting to watch. He's just smashing the pocket, man. He's getting the quarterbacks. He's he's disrupting everything in the backfield, and it's a great look for him now. You know, I know you know people might say, well, he's playing against backups. Well, you know what? All you can do is play against the guy that's in front of you. Exactly. And he's dominating the guys that are in front of him. So, you know, I, I you know I know the defensive tackle rotation between Tyler Davidson, Sheldon Rankins, and David Onyemata is set. But if there's a fourth guy, it's got to be Devereaux Lawrence right now. I mean, because he is wearing people out in this preseason. He has really shown uh, that he's got some traits that – you know, he he certainly didn't get a chance to show him at Auburn, and he said, you know, at Auburn he'd make a mistake, you know, play two plays, make a mistake, and get yanked, you know, uh, or you know they just you know had a rotation there, and so he might not have gotten the opportunity to show everything that he has at Auburn, but man, he's been he's been a revelation for the Saints in terms of getting getting to the quarterback and, and crushing the pocket. And Trey Hendrickson, uh, you knew he was a rotation guy last year before he got hurt. Uh, he's got great versatility. He plays both. In, in positions on defense. Uh, but right now he looks like he's really locked in at right end because of the injuries and, and plus because he's got, you know, he's pretty good. He's pretty good at it. And so he might not be backing up Cam Jordan all the time. He can play a lot of right defensive end while Cam Jordan plays left defensive end. And even when Cam Jordan might flip to the right end or, or go inside, Trey Hendrickson is a guy that you can put out there and he's going to create a lot of havoc. So I think they're really pleased with what they see out of him. You knew he 
you know, had some fire in him last year, and he's only ascended this year. And he and Devereaux Lawrence look like they give you a, a good amount of a quality depth on that defensive line. Before we get into the joint practices with the Chargers this week, I did want to talk about the helmet rule because I think now it's uh, not so much after week one, but after week two, there were a lot of plays that a lot of people were a little disturbed about based on just the calls around the league. I know there's some players that have taken to Twitter and social media about their dislike for it and wanting the rule to be adjusted immediately after watching some of the games this week and seeing some of the calls and just seeing the reactions from people. J.D., I just want to know what your thoughts on it are right now. Well, here's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that the officials are erring on the side of caution in preseason and they'll and they'll back up and get it right during the regular season because some of the calls you saw this this weekend were 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 pathetic. They're normal tackles. It, 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 it's pathetic. I mean, you you know, I don't I don't, you know, if you can't tackle the guy that way then what do you you run up and just, you know, you you, you scream harsh language at him yeah. and then he falls down or you drop kick him? Yep. I don't know <laughs> because you can't you can't tackle any better than some of those tackles have been with the head on the side. Yeah. <laughs> and and get get penalized. So I think, you know, it was one of those points of emphasis where you want to call it during the preseason and work out the kinks now and hopefully uh, get it right during the regular season because you don't want to see a promising uh, defensive drive stopped by that kind of call. I mean, where a team should be getting off the field on third down and instead it's 15 yards. Uh, that's going to be something that's going to, you know, that's going to wreak havoc, man. And I, it's, it's hard on officials because you're trying to call this stuff in live time and you can't slow it down replay-wise, and you can't take a second look at it, and it is what it is when you call it. And so I guess they're just calling it right now just to try to get a feel for it. But some of those calls were really, really, really bad. And I know you, when you slow it down, it looks even worse. But, man, they, they've got to they gotta get this right because you're penalizing defenses and, and you're putting them in positions where – they basically have to throw up their hands and say, what do we do here? Right. How do we make a tackle if we can't tackle, form tackle, the way we were, quote, unquote, taught all our lives? Not leading with the head, um, you know, leading with the shoulder, essentially, you know, driving, the, driving through the guy. What else is there? I mean, again, you know, how do you get a guy on the ground? Do you scream at him? Do you talk about his mama? What are you doing yeah. if you can't tackle him? So hopefully they'll get it right. They're during the regular season, they'll work out the bugs here during the preseason because, you know, I know they evaluate their performances after each game. And hopefully it's one of those where they go in and say, okay, we missed this one, we missed this one, we missed this one. We got to be – we got to make sure we ride on, we're right on this during the regular season. Do you see any – I know that you say they might err on the side of caution right now and the rest might make some adjustments, but do you think the league will make any adjustments during the season if the backlash continues the way it did at least this week? Well, I don't think they will. I think they'll wait till the next off season and, and then they'll make a, a, a rule change if there has to be. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know if they'll change it. Yeah, to. I don't think they'll change it midstream because right. now you're trying to get the officials to do something different midstream. So – I think they'll just ride it out this season um, and hope that, again, this doesn't cost somebody a game because if it does, there's going to be some some hell to pay yep. <laughs> for somebody. I mean, it's going to be pretty vicious, and it won't just be Twitter that's going to be vicious about it. All right, before we get out of here, let's talk about week number three against the Chargers. Joint practices again for the second straight year. You all be heading out to L.A. here in a little bit. What are some of the benefits of a joint practice with some of these teams? 
JD? Well, it's like game reps, if you ask players. I mean, they really get out there, and it's extremely competitive. Uh, in fact, I want to say last year, this might have been the second preseason game, and Drew Brees didn't even play in it because they felt like he got such quality work uh, during the joint practices. Now, heading up to the third preseason game, that probably won't be the case this time, but they're still going to get a ton of quality work. And so, you know, maybe – Maybe those guys, the starters, will play in that third preseason game, but maybe you don't play as much because of the type and level of quality work you get. Um, and you're working one against another team. That's that all. That's always helpful. But two, it's ex- an extremely competitive situation because now Cam Jordan isn't going against Ryan Ramchek. He's going against the starting uh, right tackle for the Los Angeles Chargers. And if he, you know, is it, going to be physical, uh, there's probably going to be pads. I don't think those guys are going to be you know, tackling each other, but it's going to be chippy enough and it's going to, and you can get a really good evaluation during those practices. So, you know, it's quality work. Um, you don't want to see a fight. That's the last thing you want to see. That was one of the biggest concerns of seeing other camps and like Jets and Redskins earlier. Yeah, that's the last thing you want to yeah. see. But, but you know what? It, it I don't want to say it, it's not inevitable, but it happens because yeah. guys are, are competing, man. You're trying to win and you're trying to show good film for your coaches and you got your teammates over there watching you and you got fans out there watching you and any competitor gets jacked up and he's like okay I want to beat this guy and if you're the guy who's getting beat and if the guy who's beating you is 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 you know chirping a little bit then it's going to get under your skin and you get in these competitive situations and look these guys are the best of the best. There's going to be some back and forth talking. Yep. And there's going to be a little pushing and shoving. And, you know, if you beat a guy or if you grab a guy's jersey as he's beating you or, you know, you hold him, and that, there's going to be some chippiness. So you don't want a fight to happen because, you know, that takes away from the quality of work. And yet the competitiveness sometimes almost – I don't want to say demands, but you can see it. You can see why it happens because these guys, again, they're the best of the best. And when you're going up against a guy who's really good and he's got pride and you're whipping his tail and you're letting him know, he ain't going to like it. So, you know, they'll get some quality work, but it, it could get chippy. I just don't need to see anyone, and I don't know why they continue to do that, is punching someone with their helmet on. <laughs> it, it's, you know what, though? It, you know, that's just, you know, it's you the reaction. Fight. Yeah, it's it. the reaction, and the natural thing is you want to swing and hit a guy, and it's, it, it is stupid because the guy's got on his helmet. So I, I'd at least try to you know, rip his helmet off first. But, but <laughs> JD's <laughs> keys to fighting and <laughs> training camp. Or, or go for the soft spot. Go for the midsection. Yeah. Don't go for the head. I mean, you ain't gaining nothing going for the head. So, but I, I, you see how you can you see it happen all the time, as you said. Guy swinging at the head, and it's like, okay, I understand it, but right. hey, you ain't hurting anybody but yourself. Right. I am intrigued by uh, the defensive line for the Sa- the L.A. Chargers. I want to say the San Diego Chargers. This with Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. I think the offensive line for the Saints should get some good work in this week. They'll get some fabulous work. Um, Teron Armstead back and healthy at left tackle. Ryan Ramchek going into his second year at right tackle. And, you know, look, the Saints have one of those offensive lines that collectively as a unit uh, is among the tops in the league, and there will be some quality work for those tackles. I'm, I'm anxious, anxious to see uh, Teron Armstead because he's been, uh, he's been dominating, but, you know, it hadn't been, you know, that level of competition that he's been dominating in training camp. And he's a guy who usually rises to the occasion, number one. And number two, uh, he is as good as there is in the league when he's healthy and he's healthy right now. So this will be really good work for him. It'll be great work for Ramchick because Ramchick's been going a lot against Cam Jordan one-on-one in practice here. So he should be pretty prepared for what he sees from San Diego and yet different player, 
uh, probably different moves. I, I can't remember if it's – I think it's Bosa who plays left defensive end for them, but mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure. But it will be different moves from that player. There's, you know, there's different techniques. Uh, there's different things that he's going to have to be, be aware of. And so it will be great work for those offensive tackles for the Saints. Good chance that we'll see Marcus Davenport on Saturday. Coach Payton says he's going to be out there. Um, we've seen him do some individual work, uh, but he needs to get some work in. And if he's going to be ready for the regular season opener, uh, this would certainly be a good a good game to get him in against some, you know, hopefully hopefully against the starting offensive tackles for the Chargers. He'll get that one-on-one work. That'll be quality work that he'll get. And he might be one of those guys who, if he gets a good enough run in practice, and good enough reps there. Maybe you don't want to risk him in the game because he's just coming back from injury, and maybe he plays in preseason game number four. But Coach Payton did say he anticipates getting him out there, um, mixing it up in practice, and on the field for the game. Wouldn't shock me if he doesn't play in the game because he'll get quality work during the week, but we'll see what happens. Should be a good week, a fun week, interesting week to see the Chargers and Saints go at it for the week, and then again Saturday against L.A. in preseason game number three. J.D. will have all the coverage along with Sean Kelly and the rest of the digital media crew all week long from Los Angeles and Carson, California. Sean will be back on Wednesday here for his version of the Black and Blue Report presented by SeatGeek. And then on Friday, Caroline Gonzalez, Cindy Robinson, and crew will get you ready for Saints and Chargers as well. J.D., safe travels out west, and we'll talk to you throughout the week. My all right, we're looking forward to a really good week. It's always, you know, the week goes a little faster. Practice goes a little faster when it's a joint practice because there's competition all the way around. So, you know, it'll be fun to watch, and that, that'll make things go a little faster. And then we're looking forward to the game. All right. For John DeShazer, I'm Daniel Sowers, and thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.